This is the sound at one of the largest cemeteries in Hong Kong on this year's Qingming Festival, April the 4th, also known as Tomb Sweeping Day. It's a traditional Chinese festival when people visit the tombs of their ancestors to clean the gravesites, pray to their ancestors, and make ritual offerings. On this day, any other year, you'd hear the crowds. The chirping of the birds and the whistle of the wind will be submerged into the sound of people. People talking to each other, people talking to their ancestors, people panting while hiking up and down the hills. But not this year, not in this pandemic. Visitors were scattered around. In the broadcast, a man's voice was repeating that any gathering of more than four people is not allowed by the government. Lawrence Han, an elderly local Hong Konger, was sweeping the tomb by himself. I think today is special for us to pay tribute to our ancestors, so I still chose to come on Qingming, he says. By the time I'm recording this on May 11th, COVID-19 has killed more than 280,000 people worldwide. And because of the infectious nature of the disease, many of the patients died alone and their loved ones were left isolated in their bereavement. During the period of this year's Qingming Festival, the Chinese government strictly limited the access to cemeteries out of concerns over the spread of coronavirus, leading tens of millions of people to mourn the diseased and sweep tombs through online platforms. This uh, cloud tomb sweeping actually allows them, those people who live far away or cannot have access or who are traveling during that period of time, to be able to pay respect. You know, this is some right. emergent remedy for second best thing to do. People around the world are adapting their ways of mourning to the new norm. Live streaming funerals are being organized. Social media of the dead are being transformed into virtual memorial pages. People gather together to grieve under the cons of the diseased as if they were present there. Their digital legacies become one of the most important things that we can remember them by. But where would these memories go without Facebook, without Instagram or Twitter? In fact, who knows how long Facebook will last? And that's the other problem, that services live and die. They change as well. So the policy that you know today will change tomorrow. After the whistleblowing Dr. Li Wenliang died of COVID-19, almost one million people left comments at his last post on Weibo, the Chinese equivalent of Twitter. They grieved together and sought solace. Some call it China's whirling wall. However, once digital property in China can be vulnerable. We don't know when Weibo is going to take it back or close it down. Yeah, right. There's a danger that they, they may do that. So who really owned these accounts after their original owners passed away? On this episode, we look into how technologies have changed the way we die and mourn. We talk to an anthropologist, a research fellow in death studies, and an artist who built multiple websites on a server in the US, allowing people to commemorate those who died in Wuhan during the pandemic while preventing the websites from being taken down by the authorities. We designed so that the visitors enter the space, they can sense that sort of atmosphere, that sort of sorrow, grief, solemn, and agony. Um, it's, it's like they are really visiting the physical tomb. Welcome to another episode of Inside China Tech. I'm your producer, Yang Yang. <laughs>
We'll be right back. From South China Morning Post, this is Inside China Tech. Insights into what matters. Come work for us because we are 996. Are you okay? I started Alibaba in 1999 in my apartment. What's your problem? Speed and data, and that's where China comes in. Qingming Festival can be one of the most crowded festivals in China, next to the Chinese New Year. Take just Shanghai as an example. Last year, it was estimated that more than six million people traveled over the Qingming Festival to sweep tombs of their ancestors. So tomb sweeping, or saomu uh, in Chinese, is uh, one of the most important um, rituals for the Chinese. Uh, actually, Chinese everywhere in the world, not only just Chinese who are living in China, um, because it has to do with one of the most uh, essential beliefs in the Chinese society, which is um, that you know ancestors. The um, what happens with ancestors, how we deal with ancestors, actually affect the fortunes of the living. And、uh, as a result, you have to really make sure that ancestors are well taken care of. This is Professor Wu Keping. I'm an anthropologist. I study contemporary societies and contemporary cultures. This year, to avoid cross infection, the Chinese government encouraged people to use mobile apps and online platforms to practice tomb sweeping. You can visit the grave sites online, make virtual offerings, and you can even hire the staff at the cemetery to clean the tombs on your behalf. While the staff are live streaming the proceedings, people bow from hundreds of miles away in front of their laptops or smartphones and greet their ancestors. Usually, they start with an apology, saying that they're sorry they can't come to visit the grave sites in person this year. But there are also pros of online tomb sweeping. To begin with, it can be extended beyond your family members. On the homepage of a lot of these online tomb sweeping websites, you see famous public figures. You know, famous movie stars who have died, famous politicians who have died, and、oh. people have been paying respect、um, to those people. And you would think, oh, those are not ancestors. You know, those are not really <laughs> usually right included in your Qingming、uh, uh, routine. Okay, <laughs> you go to you know nobody Michael goes to Michael Jackson. That. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Jing is very popular. <laughs> By the way, Deng Liqing or Teresa Deng was a super popular Taiwanese singer and a cultural icon during the seventies and eighties. So people、uh, want to pay tribute to those public figures. Actually,、um, those may mean something to these individuals when they grow up.、Mm. So this is something that I think it's um, it's very um maybe it's an. It's the, one of the differences is that the online worship may may allow people to be more individualized、um, mm. in terms of、uh, expression toward、um, their ancestors, because you know、um, during the regular Qingming worship, a lot of young people may be just dragged by the family members to go there. For them, it's kind of an outing or is is an, an annoyance sometimes、right. even. Oh, you travel all the way from Hong Kong to Guangdong.、Yes. Go to these countrysides and climb these hills that you know are dusty, and you know talk to these people you've never met or you meet once a year. You know, 
and, and you don't even get to eat the food it's not exactly. even a picnic <laughs> exactly right and the food yeah. is you know you get there and you burn all these things and you get all cloudy and dust even if you even you can eat it you don't want to eat yeah. it so it's not personal that's another problem with rituals you know rituals of course they were created in order to uh, facilitate the way people express their emotions however because they're formalized as well so they become very they can be empty mm. right so they can be just a format and they can be devoid of individual feelings and individual attachments but online tomb sweeping is different in a sense that you wouldn't bother to log on to these websites or download the apps if you really don't care. So, what does an online memorial look like? Hello? Hello, hello, hello? Can you hear me? Oh, hello? Hi. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Can you just start by telling us a little bit about you and your background? Yeah, um, so I'm Jia Baoli. I'm an artist, designer, and technologist. My day job is at Apple. I'm a prototyping designer. Jia Bao's day job is to look into the future and to invent and explore new products and technologies for five to ten years later at Apple. Her night job is an artist. She uses interactive design in arts to convey her message. When this all started in January, Jia Bao followed the news closely in China. After seeing people desperately cry out for help on social media, she knew that she had to do something about it. Right, so, okay, I remember... At the beginning, um, like if you read all those um, uh, help-seeking posts on the internet, it's really frustrating. Um, like I literally cried every day, like when I read those informations. And the death toll just kept going up. And then when the numbers explode, like uh, to some extent, like people feel less about it. Like for like a million or or a million and one, that's. That's like why it's said um, one man's death is tragedy, but the death of a million is the statistic. She's referring to a quote by Joseph Stalin. If only one man dies, that is a tragedy. If millions die, that's only statistics. So she wants to create a space where the lost lives can be remembered as more than a number. So Jabal built this website called Unfinished Farewell with a group of volunteers. You can find it under farewell.care. When you enter, you will see a face, semi-blurred in thousands of pixels. Next to it, you will find who the person is, how she or he passed away, and their last help-seeking posts gathered from online. So the, the whole point is this, like, each, behind each number is a life. So I want to show, like, this one person, like, what's, what's, what does he feel, feel, what has he experienced before he passed away. Um, why do you design it like as in in a blurred way? Right. Like almost you couldn't see that person's face clearly. Yeah. So like what I said, um, like you haven't have a chance to visit or know him, and then <clears throat> when your uh, finger or mouse like go across this portrait, it just fade away. So yeah, we designed so that the visitors enter the space, they can sense that sort of atmosphere, that sort of sorrow, grief, solemn, and agony. Um, it's, it's like they are really visiting the physical tomb um, that have some kind of comparative feeling of that. 
You can also upload a profile of someone who you'd like to commemorate here. They don't have to be victims of the coronavirus. There are people who died of exhaustion as essential workers, who died of pre-existent diseases due to the lack of medical help, who died, in Jabal's perspective, outside of the statistics. They weren't even a number. You can leave condolence to each one of them. Let's see what they have here. Um, like some are, <clears throat> most of them are about um, rest in peace. Um, we miss you. Just these kind of like condolences messages. Some are about like um, the spring is coming, the trees, the flowers are blossom. I wish you can see it. Some are about um, like these days, the the this epidemic is getting eased, is getting better in China. Um, and I hope you can see it. Um, and thanks for your contribution. Um, there's one say, uh, because of your existence, I, I will try to <coughs> learn to love humankind forever. Yeah. This is another side of it. You know, it allows you this cloud to sweeping, or just sometimes it allows you to to personalize your message. And, and allows an individualized ways of expressing your emotions toward the person who have diseased. Professor Wu Keping again. Right. So you're not just doing it for the family fortune as a formality. You're doing it as an individual ways of expressing your emotions. To be clear, online tomb sweeping isn't a novel thing in China. It's been around for years, but the coronavirus, as you can imagine. Accelerates people's acceptance and adaptation to this digital transition. This、uh, cloud tomb sweeping actually allows them, those people who live far away or cannot have access or who are traveling during that period of time, to be able to pay respect. You know, this、right. is some emergent remedy for second best thing to do. <laughs> and it's not only handy in a rare situation like a global pandemic. It addresses a real, universal, and fundamental fact: we, as human beings, are fluid. So migration and diaspora. So as people have become more physically distant, technology has become much more important. This is Dr. Stacy Pizzolides, a senior research fellow at Northumbria University. Her research focuses on how technology and design shift our understanding of death and bereavement. So things that we see. Today, like、um, people dying in other countries and not being able to get to someone to say goodbye, or people not being able to attend a funeral for various issues,、um, it created this introduction of services like live streaming of funerals, but also really ad hoc practices like on、uh, Facebook, using the Facebook、uh, groups and chats as a kind of impromptu memorial. So we are seeing much more. Of coming from people as a as a real instinct to say this is a space where we can come together, but also for people who are maybe not in a position to attend a funeral, like virtual friends. So if you're gaming with someone in a gaming platform, platforms like Final Fantasy or Eve Online and World of Warcraft as well, obviously there have been really strong examples of different kinds of virtual funerals and bereavement. That have been taking place in those environments,、um, and have really been helpful to people who just wouldn't be able to、um, attend a physical funeral.
because they don't necessarily know that person in a physical environment. Never have we had a situation where we have been so isolated in our bereavement. Some of us rushed online, seeking comfort from FaceTiming with our friends and family, scheduling one Zoom call after another. The problem with the digital technology, with the kind of、um, like Skype and Zoom, is that you have to have something to say, and sometimes you just want to be together. And so I think it's about trying to find ways of using technology to be together, even if you can't have the touch that we crave so much. Yes, you. You always need to have like a mission if you、mm-hmm. go online to talk, as if you need to complete something. So, how do you think technologies have addressed this problem that we are isolated in our own grief? I think technology has been a real challenge and a kind of double-edged sword in some ways. It's it's been really helpful. In the sense of the、uh, the streaming of funerals, but it's also meant that、uh, people have had to really change their services very quickly and really adapt to this situation. But once those things are set up and once people understand the technologies, like we have had, society has had a mass training on video conferencing at the moment. So my eighty five year old grandma is now very comfortable with video conferencing. You know? <laughs> So、um, that's great. <laughs> so we have, you know, we we have all had this mass training because that's all we can do, and after this, the potential will be huge, because we have this shift in the fact that many people who previously the, the digital was a was a barrier、hmm. are now being included in it, and that includes people who potentially、um, have disability or have other things, home mobility issues. Are able to be much more part of the community and culture, but there's also, again, as always, the other side of it, where people who are on the other side of the digital divide, who don't have access to good internet or technologies, are even more isolated and excluded. There is another thing made complicated by technology: our digital legacy. According to a new study from researchers at Oxford University, the dead on Facebook will outnumber the alive ones in 50 years. So. What happens to all our stuff online when we die? The range of commercial companies will have very varied policies. So historically, it has got better. Like in around two thousand and two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten, before the first introduction from Facebook, you had to literally scan and send a death certificate to every single technology company to shut down or change your accounts. And since then to today, we now have pretty much every. Every big technology company has a policy on it. For example, Facebook will memorialize the user's account once they are made aware that the person has passed away. Users can also designate a legacy contact to manage their memorialized accounts after they die. And because Facebook owns Instagram, their policies are very similar. Then you have Google Death Policy, Amazon, Twitter, etc. There is no one standardized procedure that works for all. But it is incredibly complex for individuals to navigate, and I think it's fair to say that we haven't seen much change in that. That it's still very complicated, and that people who are dealing with death alongside dealing with digital legacy really struggle. And because websites like Facebook are very insular systems, meaning what happens there stays there, it is very difficult to take the data and information on Facebook and bring it somewhere else. 
So that leads to another question: How long can Facebook last? And that's the other problem that services live and die; they change as well. So the policy that you know today will change tomorrow. You know the the whole the whole framework of wishes and advanced planning and last will and testament doesn't necessarily take into account the huge fluidity of you know services and protocols online around death and dying. Mm. And that's why the legal framework around them has been so difficult and patchy as well, because you know different states in America have different rules. Europe is still trying to come up with protocols and rules, but the question of whether these assets become part of your estate, whether they are part of you know something that exists external to that, whether they're something that can be inherited. All these things are not really clear yet within the law or the legal framework. In China, tech companies have varied policies as well. Take Weibo, the Chinese equivalent of Twitter, as an example. Weibo does not have regulations about dead users' accounts, but in their user agreement, it said that if the account remains inactive for more than 90 days, Weibo can recycle the account, recycle the user's name, or terminate their service to this account. However, one's digital legacy or digital presence can also be vulnerable under potential censorship. For example, just before this year's Qingming Festival, a virtual memorial set up on WaHeaven.com for medical staff who died in Wuhan was "quote unquote" asked to be taken down for no clear reasons, according to the website spokesperson. After the death of Li Wenliang, one of the first doctors who warned people of the coronavirus. Tens of thousands of Chinese netizens gathered at his Weibo to commemorate him. They come to say good morning, 早上好早上好 and good night, 晚安 They tell him that cherry blossoms are blooming, 李医生武汉的樱花开了 The summer has arrived, 夏天来了 They share that they are falling in love, 我喜欢上了个女孩 Falling out of love, 我分手了 They send him pictures of fried chicken. His favorite, Li Yisheng, please eat chicken. They whisper that they miss him. We miss you. Doctor Li's Weibo, where once he shared his overtime working life and his love for tech gadgets, has now become a public space. People come to tell him anything and everything, collectively making a point that he is not forgotten. I ask Professor Wu what she makes of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very interesting thing that actually leads to this whole, you know, who owns these sites, right? It right. actually leads to this ownership of these sites because these are, in a way, the sort of legacies, the digital legacies of the deceased people. And、um, as you said earlier too, that there were in China, we don't have any, as far as I know, either、uh, there are no rules or regulations or policies regarding this、uh, mm-hmm. these things yet. So we don't know what's going to happen. It's, on the one hand, it can become public sites like what you just described of Ning Dao Li Wenliang. Li Wenliang was actually on the front pages of many、um, cloud、yeah. tomb swooping sites as well, right? Yeah.、Um, so, but on the other hand, it can be very contingent upon、uh, rules and regulations, new rules and regulations, right?、Uh, we don't know when Weibo is going to take it back or close it down. Yeah, right. There's a danger that they they may do that. Right. 
whereas if you have a memorial site and managed by a legacy contact of the deceased person on Facebook, normally, theoretically, you the way Facebook cannot just close it down. So, how do we keep a reliable memory of the dead in such a context? Hmm, it's a very tough question to right, right. answer. Um, big, it's tough because it's a new phenomenon. Um, as an anthropologist, we haven't observed enough data to be able to. Uh, give you a very uh, informed answer. Um, on the other hand, uh, the the well, just just as cloud uh, tomb sweeping is uh, very much organized uh, uh, from top down. Uh, you know these public cemeteries and mostly actually local government and uh, live stream funerals, for instance, in in the in the West are mostly organized by individuals or commercial companies. Right. So right. which which one is more long lived? It's really hard to say because commercial companies can close down as well. You know, we mm. you, you upload it along YouTube, but we don't know how long YouTube is going to last. <laughs> we, we, we assume it's going to last forever. But um, in this day and time when we are faced with all these sudden breaks uh, of that's caused by one tiny virus, uh, nobody is really can say that uh, uh, commercial stuff or things that are created by by the market necessarily are more long-living than things mm. that are created by the state uh, <laughs> or are not sanctioned or sanctioned by the state. Yes, obviously you have this situation in China, but anywhere else in the world could have this situation tomorrow. Dr. Pitalides again. And, you know, effectively all that data could be changed or could be altered. I mean, there are obviously a lot of techniques in China for going around the, the censorship and the bans and the lack of access to other internet via proxies and via all kinds of other technological means. Because as I said, it's that kind of fluidity of the internet that means that you have you never have a complete document. Yeah. So and and also I I always I'm such an optimist in the sense that I always believe that there is a. Um, more creativity, um, more space uh, there is um, for people, even living in the authoritarian regime, uh, to be able to have than the world believes in. Does that make? Maybe it's a longer. It's such very no. long. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, totally. Yes. Um, yes, it makes sense. Communities will always find a way to express themselves. Li Jiabao, the designer and artist that you heard at the beginning, made sure of the website's security to protect the privacy of the visitors and prevent potential censorship. Oh, of course, like I, when I first make it, I, I'm worried that maybe it could be censored. So I try to like, like first of all, uh, make everything that it can be traced and be censored. Like the, the server is in the US um, and the, um, the, 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 the address that I bought is protected that uh, our names can be traced back. Even if it's censored, we have some other creative ways to, 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 um, to kind of change that. Like what? Um, either like through like IP hopping, or we could migrate to other web- website addresses. Um, 
yeah, there are always creative ways. Technology is not, um, it's not a cure-all, it's not a fix, but that in many small ways, it's helping us to process this really huge amount of loss. And it's not coming from the same place. Not all technologies are the same and they're not acting in the same way. But all together, all these little parts of movements that we can take part of, whether it's a death over dinner, or whether it's a mapping of loss, you know, on a larger scale, or whether it's a um, connection on Facebook with someone or a catch up for coffee, in all these kind of minute ways, technology is helping us as a society to process this loss, but is also helping us as individuals to, um, to think about death and dying in new ways and to be able to cope through some of the things that are happening to us. I think the, the question is more, what would we have done without technology in this situation? Mm -hmm. And I think when you think about it that way, it shows the scale of what technology is doing um, even if that's not one specific thing if it's 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 just the functioning of how society is working at the moment Jiabao and her team has designed a series of websites to pay honor to the diseased in the pandemic you can find them under farewell.care and qingming.space that is q i n g m i n g .space Dr. Stacy Pizzolides is also one of the 100 specialists working in the fields of dying, death, and grief who were invited to develop a COVID-wide paper initiated by Dr. Candy K. Ken and Michael Hab to help people grieve and be together virtually during the lockdown. You can find it at www.covidwhitepaper.com. That's it for today's show. I want to thank Yu Jiexue, Dr. Zhou Bao, Professor Tony Water for their help. I'm the producer, editor, sound designer for this episode. If you have any questions or pitches for future episodes for me, feel free to send me a tip at yang.yang at smp.com. For more stories about China tech, head to smp.com slash tech. All right, stay safe, guys. See you next time. Bye.